this evening we've got our special guest, Dr Marilyn Glenville. Hello there, welcome. Hello. Hello, Dr Marilyn, how are you? Very well, thank you, Jaina. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. So we've got Dr Marilyn Glenville here with us and she's going to be talking about women's health care and natural alternatives. Um, Dr Marilyn is a leading nutritionist and specialises in women's health and she has practised nutrition for over 25 years and focuses on natural approaches to addressing female health issues. She's also written nine international best-selling books, which include Fat Around the Middle and her latest book, Getting Pregnant Faster. So a very warm welcome to you. Thank you for joining us on oh, you're welcome. Radio. And I'm sure you're aware that the UK at the minute is really suffering from an obesity crisis with the rapid increase in the number of obese people in the UK. We've got some alarming statistics. Um, I believe one in four adults are obese in the UK with a BMI, that's body mass index, of more than 30. Yes, it is. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's on the rise. And they think, actually, we may be overtaking America in terms of our obesity crisis. And it's also hitting the younger generation as well. And that's what I think is most worrying, that it's, you know, it's coming up from at a very young age when we wouldn't have seen that a generation ago. It's very, very alarming. I mean, we, we've beaten the USA on obesity statistics. This is very, very worrying, especially for the NHS. Um, as an expert in nutrition and healthcare, what do you think we can do about this? What steps can we take? Well, I think education is important, and obviously when we educate people, that should go down through the family as well. And the difficulty with the obesity side is that it it increases the risk of heart disease, diabetes, so it's then giving the, the NHS a lot to deal with. So it's not just the factors of being overweight, but it's what the increased risk and the long-term care of everybody. And now we've got children as young as 9 and 10 in the UK with type 2 diabetes, which is, you know, class is a middle-age onset problem so the worrying thing is that young children may be getting you know much older illnesses at a younger age and then you know we've got the cost of that on the NHS so I think the education must be there to the parents and the understanding of why it is so important to change weight and get into a healthy weight and looking at other lifestyle issues like exercising maybe children aren't walking to school as much they're not playing as much sports because we've got computers in the room and television so our whole lifestyle is shift from a from a generation ago absolutely i think back a couple of decades ago we didn't have things like computers or internet games and things like that and now it's very much become a technology it generation where people are just sitting on the computer all day long surfing the internet and not really moving their bodies much and that really does pile on the calories and you've written a very interesting book called fat around the middle and that really talks about different body shapes and how we as um, as human beings actually put on fat particularly around our middle areas and so what would you say for somebody who is suffering from fat around the middle what, what advice would you give them if they want to try and really lose that weight and get back into that shape well where fat sits on the body is actually even more important than just a total weight and we now know that fat around the middle is really the most dangerous kind of fat because that's the fat that produces substances that have a, a very negative effect on our health it can increase cholesterol increase our risk of heart disease and strokes Alzheimer's, diabetes and cancer, especially breast cancer for women because those fat cells are a manufacturing plant for estrogen. So it's where the body's, where the fat is sitting on the body and if somebody has found that that, you know, they've got that increase in waist size, then it really is a wake-up 
call and they're thinking about getting their diet under control and we're looking at the action of what we call the stress hormones adrenaline and cortisol which are released when we're under stress and we are more nowadays from pressures of work and pressure of time and this feeling of always of no time for me which does pile on the weight and increases our cravings for comfort food but our stress hormones are also released if we are missing meals if we're having a lot of sugar and caffeine and and white products like white flour white cake uh, cakes that sort of thing with white flour in there so how we're eating also releases the stress hormones and the body gets the message to put this like a protective cushion around the middle because it's a place where it can get at energy stores quickly if our life's in danger so the body's doing it for a purpose but it's very active fat around the middle and it produces substances that have this really negative effect on our health now but also in the future as well definitely and it's actually quite interesting because we can all observe that some women gather more fat around the middle than others why why is that well we do have tendencies to different body shapes and sometimes people think well it's just because women are getting older as they get older that they will lose their waist and yes as we get close to the menopause there will be that tendency for the body to put on a bit of extra fat around the middle because when there's less estrogen coming from the ovaries as we get close to the menopause we can get estrogen from fat cells and that's going to help protect our bones but if we now look as we walk down the high street we'll also see young girls with this muffin top over the top of their jeans so it's now affecting women and, and young girls of all ages so there are some groups of families where they are more pear-shaped they can still end up gathering fat around the middle but there are others where they are more of an apple shape or straight straight up and down maybe even more sort of sporty looking and yes they could gain that weight even more so and quickly as they get older or they're not eating so well it could be more likely to go on there so i mean you don't have to be necessarily um coming from a family where where obesity is quite common you could be quite slim now but by actually neglecting your diet you could quite easily get a muffin up muffin top like you say in the next couple of years or months it can build up slowly yes and some people can actually be a normal weight if you go by the body mass index they can actually have a normal body weight but if they do what we call the waist to hip ratio where and i've mentioned this in the fat around the middle book you measure your waist and you measure your hip and you divide the hip measurements into the waist and if it's over 0.8 for women it's too high if it's over 0.95 for men it's too high so People can have this extra bit of fat sitting around the middle of the body, even though if you look at their total weight, they're not in the overweight category. And that bit of extra weight around the middle, if it's too much, that fat there, is still dangerous, even though, strictly speaking, they're not overweight. And so that's why it's always important. You know, if we've got a bit extra around the middle, is it too much? And then you need to do something about it. So the first step really is to measure yourself if you are overweight and if you do happen to exceed that hip weight ratio of 0.8. And then if you are in that category, then to take the relevant steps, which is controlling your diet, um, regular exercise and controlling and limiting the amount of stress in your life. Like yes, you and, and, and do it. the quicker we do it, the easier it is. And it's not just 
a cosmetic problem. I know women don't like it. Clothes will feel uncomfortable. You know, you feel like, you know, um, blouses aren't shutting properly. But it's not just cosmetic. It is a health issue because that fat around the middle is very active. It doesn't sit there doing nothing like the fat on our hips. So it's, it's a different kind of fat. It's very active and it has a negative effect on our health. So knowing if we do have too much around the middle and you can't always tell that by weighing yourself. That's really interesting. Um, in terms of the health industry, we've been saturated with things like fad diets. For example, there's the Atkins diet, we have the Ducan diet, and now we've got something called the Hollywood diets. There is just so much information out there. Any bookstore that you go to, something like Waterstones, we are flooded with books and information on how to be slim, how to lose weight, and all the different supplements that, that we need to take. So as a consumer we are completely overloaded mm. with information and it's just so easy to get confused and have mixed messages as to what is the best way to not only tackle your weight but to actually get healthy and fit um can you provide some clarity on this what yeah. is your what's the best way i don't know and it's information overload and it gets to the point i think where when the messages are mixed and confusing that people actually would often then give up they'll think well if the experts can't agree then you know I don't know who to believe and then actually not do anything and so the obesity crisis the diabetes crisis our general health gets worse because people don't know who to trust and who to believe and of course people will often be looking for quick fixes you mentioned the up those diets there's also the baby food diet and so <laughs> you know everybody's jumping on something that's going to give them a quick fix but the difficulty is if we go for something that is a quick fix it is not long term and anything we do that causes weight especially to come off quickly crash dieting restricting the food missing out food groups we will lose muscle and water and and it will come off quickly and it will look spectacular on the scales but when we go back to ordinary eating, all that weight goes back on as fat. And that's why men and women get fatter after a diet. And so the next diet has to be stricter. And they end up then in this yo-yo situation. And the difficulty is it's the, what we have to get away from is thinking of a diet. Because a diet implies that we do something, we stop it, and then we go back to eating like we did before. We actually want to get to the understanding that we need a way of eating that becomes a way of life, that for 80% of the time, we're going to eat really well. And then the other 20%, whether it's a birthday, holiday, the blips that we all have, our bodies will cope with it. But it's this idea of a diet, which we do and stop and then do something else. We have to get into the idea of that we can eat really well, that is a way of eating that becomes a way of life. So it's more like a lifestyle change as opposed to a diet or a regime. It's a healthy eating plan that we should follow for the rest of our lives. Yes, it should be. With that 80-20 rule, because nobody's going to do this 100% and we don't need to. Our body will cope with it. It's what we do every day that counts. And we actually can't lose healthily more than a pound or two pounds of fat a week. And that's why weight, measuring our weight, is not helpful because it can't differentiate between fat and muscle. And so we could have an athlete who, if we are a rugby player, and we measure their body mass index, that's the ratio of height to weight, and they will be in the obese category because muscle is heavier than fat. And yet they could have a very small percentage of body fat because they're so athletic. 
So that's why measuring inches or measuring body fat percentage if somebody's got a scale like that is much more accurate. And as we lose fat, muscle takes up five times less space than fat, so we end up losing inches. And that's the most important thing. We want to lose the inches, we want to lose fat. Weight is very misleading and it's not the thing we should be focusing on. So the best way of actually getting trim and in shape is actually by putting on more muscle because the muscle actually burns the fat. Yes, muscle is metabolically active and so actually yes, when we exercise I know in the clinic women go to the gym maybe three times a week and they're saying to me, you know, well I'm not losing weight and I'm definitely not losing that sort of spare tyre around the middle and we need to shift our way we exercise if we want to make something really effective along with our food and putting in a few key supplements and it's to think about putting on a bit more muscle because the more muscle we have the more fat we burn and our shape changes faster and we get much faster results but if we then go on the scales after putting on a bit more muscle then somebody could think oh this isn't working I'm the same weight or even a bit heavier and yet they've lost fat percentage that's really interesting that's really really interesting so to sum up you're saying the best way to lose weight is to follow a lifestyle change a plan where you've got the 80 20 rule so 80 percent of the time you eat really really well and 20 percent of the time where you can have um, eat out or have a few blips whether it's somebody's birthday party or a function or something like that you can then enjoy yourself too what was interesting was you mentioned the importance of supplements in your diet Yes, because um, I've been in this field now for over 25 years and originally I would have done everything with diet alone, getting good nutrition in there, changing somebody's food. I don't think we can do that anymore for a couple of reasons, that even with all the government fruit, five-a-day fruit and vegetable messages, only about a third of people are actually managing that. And the other major problem is that our food itself does not contain the nutrients it should have. We've only got about half the selenium we should have in the soil. Often our food has travelled thousands of miles, sits in a warehouse before it ends up in the supermarket. So when we are trying to change our body shape or when I'm working with women in the clinic who've got a health problem that they want to change, we're trying to do it as quickly as possible along with that good foundation of their food. And there are certain key nutrients and all of the research has been done in the medical literature of certain ones that are going to be helpful depending on what somebody's goal is, whether it's to lose weight or whether it's to correct an irregular cycle or it might be for some couples who are aiming to get pregnant. And we've got good nutritional trials on what specific nutrients that we can add in as in supplements to help somebody achieve their goal. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. You have um, a health practice where you sell good quality supplements. There's something called the natural health practice where people can go online and actually purchase certain supplements that you would recommend, for example. Yeah, so I've formulated a range of supplements for the natural health practice and ones that I felt I needed in the clinic, which I didn't have around the menopause and fertility, um, ones for stress for women like Tranquil Woman, and those I needed in addition to all the other ones I use in the clinic. So Natural Health Practice carries all the different supplement companies that I use in the clinic, which are only really high-quality, good levels of certain nutrients and really easily absorbed. And also there's some certain tests on there, which are finger prick ones like vitamin D, um, omega-3 tests, where people can find out 
by doing a simple finger prick test at home whether they're deficient in certain nutrients. And then I've got the clinic side, which is marilynglenville.com, where women will come in, either Tunbridge Wells or two clinics in London, where they need more individual help, either for fertility or any kind of female hormone problems that they, you know, even alongside their doctor, both of those clinics are medical practices, so they can have medical tests, they may be taking certain medications, but they can still always put the nutritional side in there. So you're combining um, modern medicine with the natural things as well. So you're getting the best of both worlds. Absolutely. And for some things that works brilliantly and we're looking then like at fertility all the investigations maybe going through IVF treatment having fertility drugs some may not need it because the nutritional side will work but there are some situations like the menopause where certain women can't take HRT maybe they've had history of breast cancer they find it difficult they find they're putting on weight or feel uncomfortable on it and then they are looking for a natural solution so it's always going with what that particular woman needs and whether it is an integrated approach or whether it may be just the natural side on its own so it they can be very effective combined together sometimes it's just the nutrition that's used um, on its own and how do you feel about all these superfoods and particular buzzwords that has got a lot of press recently so things like fish oil spirulina vitamin d deficiency what's your opinion on all of this is this really beneficial well, I think certain things are, yes, absolutely. I know we've known for, for many years that vitamin D is absolutely important for bone health because it helps us absorb calcium. But over the last few years, the amount of research that's come out, how vitamin D is, or lack of vitamin D, having a deficiency is connected with heart disease, diabetes, infertility, we know as well, autoimmune problems. So anything like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, any of those where people have an autoimmune disorder is connected with having a lack of vitamin D. Um, seasonal affective disorders, so things like depression, we call it the sunshine vitamin. And interesting ones like joint pains where people may be in a lot of pain generally and what we found in the clinic is that we correct the vitamin D level and the pains go because vitamin D has an anti-inflammatory effect on the body and it also helps to balance the immune function. So uh, they know now, even in terms of prevention of cancer as well, that it's got enormous benefits. And the difficulty is that many people in the UK are extremely deficient in vitamin D. And now in the clinic, we re routinely check it for all women. And some of the levels have been absolutely shockingly so low that the lab have come back and said they can't actually detect any vitamin D. And it's because of the messages to stay out the sun, always use sunscreen, that we've actually gone too far the other way and we've now got rickets coming back in young children, which again, a generation ago, you know, it would have been eradicated. So it's always with nature. We need this balance of, you know, not one extreme or the other. So I would now suggest that every woman should get a vitamin D checked. And the, the other difficulty for women is that in all of our, nearly all of our cosmetics and moisturizers have inbuilt sun protection factors in. So some women may think on a lovely sunny day, which we haven't had recently, you know, I'll go out and get some exposure. I'm not putting on a sunscreen, but they are because it's already in the creams that they're just using as a moisturizer. So I would say get your vitamin D level checked, correct a deficiency. It only takes about three months and then 
you're just maintaining that level. A multivitamin will have enough vitamin D to maintain it, but if you're deficient, you're going to have to put in extra vitamin D for three months to bring that level back up again. And the natural health practice have a supplement for vitamin D, and for those who are deficient, you can actually just log on to www.naturalhealthpractice.com to purchase that, or indeed go and see a nutritionist at the Dr. Marilyn Glenville Clinic. Um, What's your opinion on fish oils then? Yes, they're an interesting one because we class them, they're omega-3 essential fatty acids and they're classed as essential because we have to get them from our diet. We can't make them in the body. And we've got omega-3s and omega-6 that we get from our food. And what the research is showing that over the years, we've now got far too much omega-6 coming in from the diet. It's supposed to be about one to one, two to one, omega-6 to omega-3. And the research is showing that we're getting about 25 times too much omega-6 to omega-3. And the problem is that when we have too much omega-6, which we get from vegetable oils, and it's a lot, it's in a lot of our prepared foods that we might buy as well, the vegetable oils, and we're not eating so much oily fish. So we get this balance imbalance over to too much omega-6 and not enough omega-3. And the omega-6s can, if we have too much of them, produce inflammation in the body so they actually can create inflammation that would be pain it could be pain in the bowel it could be soreness on the skin so it could be inflammation going on the outside of the body it could be inflammation going on in the joints whereas the omega-3 fish oils and the omega-3 fatty acids are only ever anti-inflammatory and that's why people take omega-3 fish oils for things like arthritis because they help to control inflammation again it's one of those we've been routinely checking in the clinic and there is a simple finger prick test again on naturalhealthpractice.com where somebody just takes a little prick of blood home and sends it off to the lab and then they get their ratio back again and Nearly everyone we've tested, it's much too much omega-6 to omega-3. And again, it just needs a simple correction. It's like finding out that you're anemic. You correct it by taking iron supplements. So it's always important if you are deficient in something or you've got an imbalance in the body, it's going to affect your general health. It may be giving you some symptoms that you're getting at the moment. So it's always worthwhile knowing if you're lacking in something, you correct it for three months and then you maintain it. Absolutely. So um, it's really important to maintain that balance of the omega-3s compared to the omega-6s. And by doing that, you can take a fish oil supplement if you are deficient. And then to maintain that, you can just eat oily fish such as mackerel yeah. salmon from the diet as well and and egg yolks we don't have many food sources of um i'm sorry that was thinking of vitamin d then we don't have many food sources of vitamin d that would only be in a bit of oily fish so we get two benefits from the oily fish and and egg yolks we get vitamin d that's why we're getting it from need to get it from the sun and yes we would get the um we get omega-3 again from oily fish and also egg yolks as well so and flax seeds so there may be some listeners who are vegetarians and then you'd go for the flax oil or the flax seeds in order to get omega-3 if you're not taking it 
as official supplements. So there are just different ways to get it in, into the body, but um, the oily fish are very beneficial, and we're, we're not eating so many of those as we would have done a generation ago, as they do still in a lot of the Mediterranean countries. They would have sardines, like you said, they'd have mackerel, um, salmon, that sort of thing. So we've sort of lost the tradition. Even in the UK, they would might have had kippers for breakfast. So we're not having those kind of foods like we would have done years ago. There's also been quite a lot of press about um, green algae, things like spirulina, um, chlorella, all these green algae that you find from the sea. How beneficial really is that to the diet? They can be very good. We think of them as green food. So when somebody wants to put in sort of a concentrated food, they would be very good. And I would just make sure that they know the source is clean and, you know, they're not um, found in polluted waters. So, yes, they can be very good. And some of them are excellent when somebody's been run down or they're recuperating or something after the flu. And we're talking about putting in a, a concentrated food, which could be very beneficial. And maybe it can be put into a smoothie or just added to a juice in the morning. So something very easily taken like that and can be quite digestible. You run workshops around the country and I believe you recently had one on the 15th of May. Yes, I did. I did one in, in North London and if people go onto my website which is marilynglenville.com and there will be events and workshops list down the left hand side so I do them all over so I'll be in um, many different places there'll be a, a Vitality Blue Water one coming up in September evening talks all the time and a lot of them yes people can just um, come often fat around the middle or menopause talks and I did one on Tuesday night and it's lovely because there's time for questions people are so interested in in asking questions about their health because like you said before they are confused about the messages from the media and they just want to know you know are they taking the right things you know are they eating the right way are there things they could change that would be you know simple changes that would make a big difference so it's lovely to be able to spend time with people to um have an evening or during the day go through some really top tips for them and and to make everything practical so they go away with things they can put into place straight away. It's a great way also to meet the public and also for them to have the opportunity to actually ask you any questions that may have and that you can answer on the spot. Yes, and I think and and it's really helpful also because they hear everybody's questions so a question another person asks is also relevant to them as well and it does bring out things that you know somebody might have not thought of asking and somebody else has got that query and it's a you know a lovely interaction to spend an evening together and go through all those different aspects of health and you know it people do read things but to hear it and to listen to it for an evening or during the day I think it really does cement what they read as well because we process things differently and some people are better when they listen to things rather than read it or um you know some people like to read the things and then when they hear it again it just makes the understanding of it much clearer about why they're doing something and I think that's always important sometimes we'll read things and it says you know eat this eat that 
and yet people don't know why they're being suggested to do it and it always seems to work better people are more able to do things they're more motivated to change when they understand why it's important for them as an individual to make that change and how it can impact their health and I think that's what is motivating to under have that understanding and they and they know why what the difference it's going to make inside their bodies and how they feel mentally when they make those changes absolutely and it's actually quite inspiring as well if somebody attends a workshop who hasn't really taken much interest in their health and their care and they meet you they get to ask you a question then they go away and read your books and they find it very inspiring then they can go away and tell their friends about it so it's a great way to really spread the word about the importance of health and diet and really how to really keep it all sustained and in check all the time yes and and we do um a number of exhibitions as a clinic around the country and we often do vitality which is at um, Earl's Court and I remember the year before last um, a lady came round with her baby in a buggy at a pushchair and uh, she said to me this is I spoke to you last year and this is the result <laughs> so oh, it was lovely amazing. and um, obviously there's a lot we can do for fertility and then to see that you know a year later it was just it was just wonderful so you know it it is inspiring and like you said they will go on and tell their friends and and oftentimes word of mouth of people being but know that certain things can be very powerful and i don't think people always realize how powerful nutrition can be because we are what we eat and it is the fuel that our body runs on it's like putting petrol in the car and you know and if we put in poor petrol and we're not looking after that vehicle you know it's gonna it's gonna break down it's not gonna run efficiently and we we need to think of our bodies in exactly the same way that we are putting in that fuel each day we want good energy we want to sleep well we want good hair and skin we want to feel good mentally um, get rid of the mood swings and pains in the body and and what we put in is how we how our body makes all the enzymes the blood and everything else and the neurotransmitters that it's going to use to keep us going through life so our food is absolutely crucial but I think we we tend to forget that during the day and uh, forget how much our bodies need that nourishment in order to operate efficiently absolutely I think sometimes it just takes a little bit of preparation in the mornings to make sure that we are eating breakfast we aren't skipping lunches and we maintain a proper diet throughout the day and I think by actually keeping that going I think after a period of 21 days it then becomes a habit and then it forms a lifestyle change and by actually implementing something like that you are not only improving yourself but you will be inspiring the people around you so it really is so important to look after ourselves and feed ourselves like you said with the correct feel for our bodies yes and and, and if we can put that into a family situation that message then goes down to the children and of course they may go out with their friends and you know not eat as well but it's what's happening at home that makes the difference the choices that are there and how they see everybody else is eating and the sort of conversation around food and, and that and that then spreads down you know through the through the generations and that's what we're looking for is to change our ultimately our children's health and the next generation that's coming through because there there are major concerns that it could be the children that are coming through it could be the first generation that dies before its parents which would be shocking so we want that word of mouth and the education to spread right down the generations and through the families at home.
Absolutely. So for somebody who is just starting to look after themselves and really wants to get fit and healthy for the summer, what are your top five tips, Marilyn? My top one has to be to eat little and often. And I mean by that breakfast, lunch and dinner, mid-morning snack and mid-afternoon snack. And the reason for that is that we have a blood sugar roller coaster that can go very high and very low, especially the low, which we call low blood sugar or hypoglycemia, if we miss meals. And women can often be notorious for that because they're often rushing around, may miss lunch or get up in the morning, school run and miss breakfast and realize they've not eaten until 11 o'clock. And we need that regularity of food. We need it to keep our weight off because if we miss meals, the body can think there's actually a famine going on because it doesn't know we've done it consciously or because we've run out of time and it's going to slow our metabolism down it will hold on to fat stores but the biggest thing by making sure we are eating regularly keeps our blood sugar up which is our energy supply so we have this constant good level of energy for the whole day and also we end up sleeping well and our moods are level otherwise if our blood sugar's on this roller coaster of highs and lows our moods can be like that we end up feeling irritable anxious, depressed. So by eating regularly, it doesn't have to be a lot of food. It is thinking about this mid-morning snack, mid-afternoon snack, but it's that regularity. The body knows what's happening every day and our energy stays high and our moods are really stable. So it could be something like a piece of fruit um, or a snack bar or something like that to keep you going throughout the day. Yes, could be nuts and raisins. So you know, even a cracker at the mid-morning. So we're talking about a breakfast, and then by about 11 o'clock, small snack, mid mid um, lunchtime, and then mid-afternoon, it could be a, a piece of fruit or whatever you've not had in the morning, nuts and raisins or something like or some of the good fruit bars, which are just sweetened with fruit and may have some nuts or seeds in there. And then we're talking about an evening meal. So it doesn't require a lot of planning once you get into that routine. Absolutely. Do you have any other top tips for our listeners today? I do. My second one would be to think about removing or reducing added sugar in your food or foods that have that added sugar in there and the refined carbohydrates like white uh, white flour, white bread. Because what we're thinking then, you see, is that if we have foods that hit the bloodstream quickly, and we're talking about foods then that we class as having a high glycemic index, and all that means is that they're, they, there's, they don't get slowed down as they hit the bloodstream. They hit it very quickly. They'll cause blood sugar to rise quickly, and then it's going to come crashing down. And then we need another quick fix, like a cup of tea and a biscuit or a bar of chocolate. And unfortunately now, sugar is added to lots of different foods. And they've worked out recently that even if you don't add sugar to your tea and coffee, the foods that you eat during the day can have about 47 teaspoons of added sugar. So we're not talking about the sugar that's naturally contained in fruits. We're talking about when it's added to a food. So I see women in the clinic who say to me, I'm eating really healthy. I'm having a low-fat organic fruit yogurt. And in a fruit yogurt, the added sugar forget the fruit bit but the added sugar could be eight teaspoons of added sugar that is very very shocking but it's also in savory food so people should look at what's in their cupboard it will be in tomato sauces tomato soup ketchups mayonnaises 
So it can, it won't just be in the obvious ones like something sweet. It will actually be added to savoury food as well. Salad dressings, you'll find sugar added to that. So it mounts up over the day and it's one of the worst culprits for putting on weight, but affecting our health, increasing our risk of cancer over time. So it's just a question really of checking the labels and finding alternatives. Absolutely, and like you said, there are a lot of hidden sugars that we sometimes don't know of or aren't aware of, and by actually checking the labels on a regular basis, we are then making conscious decisions of what we put into our mouths every day. Yes, and one of the worst culprits is actually children's breakfast cereals with added sugar in there, and they may they may hype up the amount of fibre or the um, added vitamins and minerals that are in there, but they've worked out now that a portion of a children's breakfast cereal can actually contain more sugar than a donut, and yet I'm sure most parents would not think a donut would be a healthy breakfast, but they perceive these breakfast cereals to be healthy, and they're not because the sugar is hidden in there, and it's not you, you wouldn't be aware of it. That's really interesting and very, very informative as well. Um, I think that's something all the listeners can really take away from and realise that when they're next going to be putting something into their mouths or indeed going to the supermarket to buy something, they'll be checking their labels to find out exactly what the sugar contact is in yeah. our foods. And, and they need to look at the ingredient list, not the bit where it breaks it down into fat, protein and carbohydrates and it will give total sugars because... In a breakfast cereal, for instance, there might be raisins, and that would come under the sugars there. And you can't see from that breakdown which ones are added sugars that aren't naturally contained within that fruit. It's only when you look at the ingredient list would you see the sugar, what is sugar added in, or it could be sucrose, or it might be corn syrup or something like that. There may be different forms that the sugar is called, but it's still, it's still added sugar into that cereal over and above what may be naturally contained within any dried fruit in there. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Marilyn, for joining us on the show today. I really appreciate all your amazing advice, and I'm sure all our listeners will be taking heed and indeed implementing some of that into their lifestyles. So thank you very much again. Oh, you're welcome, Joan. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much for asking me. And for to contact the clinic, indeed, um, you can log on to www.marilynglenville.com. And for information and advice on supplements, go to naturalhealthpractice.com to find out further information. Thank you very much, Dr. Marilyn. Thank you, Jaina. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.